0: Welcome to the Thundercast, your source of everything SU sports. I am your host, Connor Sanders, back with you after another long and busy week uh, in the world of SU athletics. I'm joined by my co-host, Kelton Jacobson. Kelton, my man, how you feeling? Uh, we're, we're well
1: into it. We're well into this. We are at the zenith. This spring semester, you and I were talking last week. We're like, how are we going to get this all covered? How are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. And, and we're managing. We're yeah, doing okay. It's
0: every week now. Uh, Tuesday is the only day this week where there's not an SU oh game. Oh my goodness, you're right. Good thing there's Champions League though. Um, <laughs> let's let's go right in. Uh, last week we took a look at uh, the men's and women's basketball matchups, um, which were, I think, went decently well against Sacramento State. Mm-hmm. The men won both games. Uh, I think just looked pretty solid. Looked pretty comfortable. Uh, in both of those games, really, Sac State didn't have much of a chance. Uh, the women, though, they won on Thursday in Sacramento and then lost on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, case of just too many turnovers, right, Kelton?
1: It really was. I mean, they were in it basically the entire game, and then and then Sac State, they decided to start making a couple buckets. And SU couldn't hang on to the ball long enough to counter those buckets with other buckets. It was really interesting. I feel like this, these two games are like the tail of the two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, or not the two teams but like SU can either be really really good and really lights out and they lock in on defense and they they score at will or they struggle they miss defensive assignments yeah. and they turn the ball over like and there's there's hardly ever a middle ground I feel yeah. like with this with this team so That's obviously a frustrating
0: loss cuz Sac State's one of the bottom teams mm-hmm. in the conference uh but like we've been saying, really, it doesn't even matter. All that matters is the SU get to their 10 oh, games I so they can need. qualify for the Big Sky tournament. Well, not so they can qualify; they qualify either way. But so they can earn their rightful that seed, correct spot. So they're not going to be dumped in the bottom of the conference with an impossible path. Uh, but it's, it's all right. You got, you got to roll with the losses. It's it's been a long season for them. Mm-hmm. They've played fewer games than anyone else in the conference. So
1: just getting games under their belt's all that matters. It's really important, and uh, I'm trying to pull up their schedule here. I believe they're at 8 now, uh, 7 or 8. So they okay. need a few more games to go through so they can get their rightful seating, and they'll be in good shape. The men, on the other hand, they got 10. Yep, so we're in good shape for the men. So they're back uh, near the top of the
0: conference. I think they were in second place uh, yes. at the end of the weekend. Right so behind Eastern Washington. They have, They continue their schedule on Wednesday against Northern Arizona, the last home game of the season. Um, may well be the last game I get to attend during my time as a T-bird at at the America First Event Center for basketball, which is very emotional. But uh, no, we won't dwell on it. No, no time to because no it's a huge game. And then the women will host NAU um, on Saturday, so mm-hmm. should be an interesting week. And uh, the women also are on the road at NAU, or they are on the road on Thursday at NAU, and mm-hmm. then the men will be on the road Friday. So. Yeah, this is
1: why we'll have a, a competition every day this week because really, really weird, really weird. Like they switched it up because of the, the travel, and so men are on Wednesday and Friday, and then women are on Thursday and Saturday. When usually yes. both are on Thursdays and Saturdays.
0: Well, we'll get into the reason for that in just a second. But uh, another thing we talked about last week, uh, the softball team. We had our our friend from the Daily Wildcat, Sean Fagan, join the show uh, to preview that tournament for SU softball. Uh, T-Bird struggled a little bit, they were 1-5, did pick up a win on Sunday over New Mexico. That's just a a case of playing competition that's really, really good. Arizona was a top-five team, uh, and SU's already played against the University of Washington, who's another top-five team, Mm -hmm. so these are the kinds of early season losses to teams that are just so much better than you uh, that will really make you kind of take your game up a level so that when you start the conference season, you're, uh, you're really looking stronger than your fellow Big Sky teams mm-hmm. yeah. this is perfect obviously you'd like to maybe take one more game but you
1: hey. know you take what you can get and, and SU's demonstrated when they play I don't want to say second class teams but just the teams that aren't ranked yeah, at their <laughs> level the yeah, just, just outside of Power 5 conferences and, and, and even and against p 5s well.
0: they've done well so. and they do well Yep. Uh, yeah excited to see what Dondon Williams can do uh, once the the competition kind of levels out as they do play UVU this weekend which should be a pretty decent matchup for them, yeah, and just yeah. the fact that SU is getting invited to these tournaments shows that uh, these top-level teams at least think, hey, it's worth us playing you. Like mm-hmm. the top five teams in the nation, they, especially this year, they're not just playing games to play games. They're selecting uh, very carefully who's available. And so, anyway, congrats uh, to SU softball on getting that first win over New Mexico, and success to them this weekend. Uh, another big uh, thing for SU gymnastics yes. this week. Last week, the uh, the gymnastics team scored one hundred ninety seven point two seven five points in a win over Utah State, which is the school record mm-hmm. for points in a meet. Uh, what a perfect way to close the home schedule!
1: Oh, it was it was such a good meet. Um, everyone just they came out. It was senior night, mm-hmm. and 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 the seniors, you know, they came out. and they did they did their thing. Um, but of course, we have to mention it wouldn't we? Ha, we couldn't mention gymnastics without mentioning Carly McLean. Of course, uh, and she won again for the fifth time this uh, this gymnastics season, the MRGC Gymnast of the Week. So she is just she's out of her mind right now, and and you you just are so sad that they couldn't they couldn't pull it out against BYU. You wanted it so bad, um, but I mean they came in and took care of business against Utah State. It's it's kind of fun to watch, and they're they're up against Boise State this weekend. And I think that's going to be huge. But it's kind of fun to watch um, them kind of handle these other mm-hmm. uh, MRGC teams. And then it r- really just is going to come down to can you best BYU at some point this season. So, And they don't play them anymore, so I guess it's going to have to be in the in the conference the, championship. The championship.
0: Yeah. So the Flippin' Birds are on the road at Boise State for their final MRGC meet on Saturday, I believe. And yes. then they've got some non-conference meets scheduled just to, uh, in the lead up to the MRGC championship, and we'll see we'll see what happens with those. I also want to give a shout-out to the SU volleyball team who swept Portland State on Monday, uh, picked up all three sets, and then won on Sunday 3-1. So the T-Birds are undefeated in Big Sky Conference play at mm. home, um, capitalizing impressive. on a, what I know not to diminish the win. Obviously, SU played really, really well, but... These are two teams of the conference you'd expect the T-Birds to to take care of. Mm -hmm. Some teams that are struggling a little bit so far this season. Portland State still doesn't have a conference win, but SU, certainly we're not going to allow them to get that win. They looked really good this weekend. Um, So, only one team uh, has not started their season yet so far, Kelton, and that's the SU football team. The only team left on campus. Oh yes, And they start their season at Northern Arizona this Saturday at 1 p.m. in the walk-up Skydome. This is the reason why the basketball games are all mixed around this mm-hmm. week. It's because NAU didn't want to have a home men's basketball game and a football, and a football game, game on the same day. So uh, we see the men's basketball team on Friday at NAU, and then uh, the football team open up their season at NAU on Saturday. So the Tubers finished 3-9 and last season overall, uh, one of the few teams at this level to play at all 12 games, uh, or well, just to fill up that entire schedule. Um <clears throat> Usually teams only play ten or eleven. I think two years ago, I actually only played ten games, uh, but fit in a, a couple of really tough FCS opponents. And Tippett's finished in two and six in conference play, but uh, much more encouraging at home. They were three and two, um, and it was kind of an, a, a uh, it was a better year than we saw two years ago, mm-hmm. but definitely not the level that you'd expect a team that was winning Big Sky Conference championships to be at. Uh, and 2017 wasn't that long ago. That no, was it, the last time. Wasn't. Uh, they shared the Big Sky Conference title. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the schedule,
1: Kelton. Walk us through uh, how this looks for SCU football this year. Yeah, no, I, I think it, I think it looks really good. First of all, you you there's six total games if I'm counting correctly. There's six yeah. total games, um, and then you have five total opponents, uh, and you play NAU twice. Yes. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Connor. Does does this first does this well? I guess I'll just ask: Does this first game against NAU count towards anything? Yeah, it's it all part of the conference okay. schedule, as far as I understand. Okay, so so that's a big. This is a big game. Then I mean, the first game of the season, you got to go down there and you got to take care of business because you're going to play them again. Uh, that your last game of the season, so kind of starts you out on a hopefully a good foot. Yeah. Um, but SU roster, I mean, I'm, we'll get into it. Um, otherwise, uh, otherwise, I mean, it's still a pretty favorable schedule for exactly. SU. I don't know that any schedule is particularly favorable, but if there is one, I think this is it. You play Idaho State, not this week, but the next, and then move on to Cal Poly, Idaho, Weber State, and then NAU again.
0: Yes. Uh, so bookended by NAU, like like you mentioned, Idaho State, SU just destroyed last year mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. Uh, at the Eccles Coliseum. Uh, Cal Poly was a heartbreaking loss uh, on a final, like a last second field goal. so. Those are two really good matchups, uh, assuming the teams kind of stay on level terms as where they were last season. Idaho usually, you know, not going to knock your socks off. A solid team. Uh, Weber State, obviously, that's a hugely difficult game, but you get it at home. Yes. Uh, So that's going to be great for the fans. It'll be April 3rd, so, uh, you know, temperature's starting to warm up. More people will be there. It'll be... Uh, a decent setup and you know things
1: a lot of things could change from now to April. Oh absolutely it's a long ways away it's hard to believe that we're only going to play six games in that span but really uh, SU only has what one week off in that span so we're, yeah. we're going to be pretty busy.
0: Yeah the week after Cal Poly they do get a break Uh so and that was actually a big problem last year that the buy just didn't come until like mm-hmm. the last I think the third to last week of the season or right. the fourth to last and the team played nine straight games and they were just exhausted yeah. so good That they get that break, like really, you could not have asked for a better schedule. You don't have to play either of the Montanas, you don't have to play Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very good setup, and with that in mind, that kind of changes the expectation slightly, I'd say, uh, for what you'd expect this season. Uh, it's a new coaching staff that coach Demario Warren uh, is bringing in around mm-hmm. him. It's been somewhat of a theme on the defensive side over the last few years, but for the first time. Uh, we get a new offensive coordinator for SU football, Matt Wade, who is coming uh, from Pacific University, which I believe is a Division II mm-hmm. uh, school. So he's making the step up to the Division I level. Uh, seems like a really bright, young offensive mind that uh, can engineer some new and uh, unique plays. I think uh, under Coach Walter Sheed last year, uh, playmaking maybe grew a little predictable, I, I would say. I think that's why... Maybe they just needed to shake it up in in something. They Mm -hmm. just needed something to change, so they decided to bring in Matt Wade. And uh, I think that it's a good move. I think it's a a good fit for SUU. Uh, And he has a lot to do, though, uh, in his first season because it's not going to be easy replacing the likes of Zach Larson, who was a perennial all-Big Sky, Mm -hmm. perennial all-Phil Steele, FCS, uh, Mm -hmm. super great Player in the in the center of the offensive line, and in a recent Q and A with Coach Warren, he said that that the team will only go as far as the offensive line
1: takes them. Yeah. So,
0: tell me about this offense, Kelton. What uh, what should we look forward to from S U this season?
1: Well, I think the first thing that we we have to look at is the. Um the quarterback battle, yeah, and we podcasted a, a while ago, and I can't believe we're already back to, to football. <laughs> but now uh, we podcasted a while ago that there is going to be a quarterback battle between yes. the likes of of uh, Justin Miller and Tyler Skidmore, Zach Hymas, and even Rand Jensen, the freshman. So, yes, um, who's gonna make? Who's gonna start for SEU in that? this Saturday, and I think that remains to be seen. I haven't at least seen Coach Warren come out and say who's who's starting. So. Yeah,
0: and this feels very similar to when uh, Chris Hobig arrived a couple of seasons ago where uh, maybe it was emerging who would be the starter, but uh, Coach Warren might want to just keep that under wraps or or maybe just wants to encourage competition all the way through the end of camp. Um, but from what I've heard, it seems like uh, Justin Miller's kind of emerging as that lead candidate for the quarterback role. Yep. But Skidmore has had a lot of experience at SUU in relief of Helbig big um, last season. Hymas is a transfer from uh, a former Pac-12 transfer. He mm-hmm. played at Utah. He played at Weber State as well. Um, and then Ran Jensen, I've heard great things about. Uh, just a freshman, but a great high school career. And as a true freshman, if just to be competing for the starting job is a huge, uh, really speaks to... The level of play that he has. Um, but I think that just from what I saw last season, Justin Miller uh, looked like a really good and confident quarterback. Yeah. Seems like someone that's pretty comfortable in the pocket, comfortable moving his feet and mm-hmm. uh, stepping into a throw. So it should be interesting to see who kind of seizes the reins. I don't think that Coach Ward would be above giving multiple guys a chance. No. The problem is with only six yeah, games, you don't, you don't any, really you don't get much time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't really get much time to, to figure it out. And I know part of the incentive last season was like you could only you could play a guy like four games and still get his red shirt back. That's a lot of these guys on this roster mm-hmm. played a lot of snaps last season and got to red shirt. So that'll be huge uh, factor up and down the roster. But I'm interested to see what Miller or Skidmore, whoever takes that uh, starting quarter job, starting quarterback job. I'm interested to see what they do. The big thing though, off the bat, has got to be taking care of the ball and. Uh, Converting on third down. This yeah. has been such a problem at SU over the last couple seasons. I mean, not necessarily like a huge deal. It's just that the defense has struggled the last two years, and part of the reason has been at least part of it is that sometimes SU goes three and out really quickly, mm-hmm. and uh, that makes it so hard for a defense that's already kind of having to dig their heels in just to get stops, yeah. to not get enough of a rest. And that was partly because Walter Sheed really wanted to move the ball quickly and, and get up and down the field. And so, if you had a, a drive kind of fizzle out quickly, then the, the, the defense has barely right caught their breath, mm-hmm. caught their breath, and they're already right back on the field. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so, and 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 Coach Warren, he said too, like we need to keep our quarterback on his feet. Yes. We and, and he said that in a recent Q and A. Um, so that again, we circle back to this offensive line, um, who he, you know, they do have a, a little bit of an mm-hmm. inf- of experience on there. I mean, you do have. Um, Braxton Jones, who's gonna looks like he's gonna be replacing uh, Larson, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, he'll he'll play left tackle, but in terms of uh, the leadership, responsibility, the line, and leadership, yes, yeah, exactly. So that's someone to to be looking out for. Um, and really, I mean, yeah. If you're if you're if you're gonna battle, have a quarterback battle, you need to give the quarterbacks, you know, time in the pocket to to make the throw. So
0: yeah, absolutely. And you got guys like Colin Parish who have experience, Artis Gregory. Uh, and Leonidas you know, Jacobson, it's going to be really a big priority to keep whoever it is that's upright. Because remember, that one in 10 season, what led to all of that was a fluky play where Chris Helbig got hurt on a random tackle. Mm-hmm. And the whole season was derailed uh, yep. from there. So, got yeah, big priority for Coach Warren. And obviously, he's already aware of that, saying that the offensive line is going to be what really drives this team. But That might be because the skill players are so talented that uh, the offensive line kind of has to step up to keep pace with this really talented group of skill players uh, that SU has. The first name jumps off the the sheet is Thomas Duckett, who, as the season wore on, just got better and better, uh, super fast, uh, really good with his hands out of the backfield, good instincts in terms of vision. Uh, It seems like he always finds a hole. Now, didn't get the, in terms of... uh, Volume, he didn't get as much run as James Falila did last season. But as the game, as the season wore on, it became pretty clear that he was the the main quarterback or the main uh, the main running the back. main running back. Excuse yeah, me.
1: I, and he was averaging five yards per carry the, the times that he did yeah. get the ball. So I mean, he he is a strong, strong, strong back uh, in five his season. Yeah, five touchdowns, really, really impressive. He he ran for a 54 yarder once, and so really, really strong. Strong running back. He's in his senior season. I think uh, he'll be coming out to look to make a statement. Yeah. Um. And, and that was the other thing Coach Warren said, and I, I want to keep the focus on Duckett, obviously, but uh, the running back core is pretty deep as well. So that's something, that's a positive that we have to look forward to this season.
0: Yeah, that seemed like a priority
1: in the offseason
0: uh, to shore up that position. And you look over at the receivers, uh, Lance Lawson finished fourth in the big sky with catches. He had 78 catches uh, and a 9.42 average uh just a great he's he seems like you'd expect him to be like a speed guy because yeah. he's kind of small mm-hmm. but he's actually just a really great possession great route runner and uh great with his hands like if he touches that ball he's gonna snag it
1: yeah 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 couldn't agree more i, I mean just excellent excellent last season as well i mean the i keep saying last season it was mm-hmm. a year ago <laughs> yeah <that> was <laughs> it was a long time it was ago a long time ago but again, 4.5 yards per carry, or excuse me, per catch for him. So, I mean, he's moving the chains along as long as you're finding him. And again, yeah. I guess, let's circle back to the offensive line. I can't speak of it enough. <laughs> you got to give the quarterback time to find him.
0: Yeah, and another, I would say, just inconsistently, uh, inconsistency that we saw last season was just throwing the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at the guys in terms of average, and Carlos Baker had a 17.24 yards per catch average, but he only had 17 catches on the season. Landon Meesum had a 16.54 average, had 28 catches. Meesum was good. He only played for seven games because he was injured for a lot of that time. Um, But a deep threat, uh, especially someone that can kind of stretch the field on the sidelines, is going to be huge. And that's why it's a big deal that my man Frank Harris III returns uh, to the the team this season. A world-class high jumper, like an Mm Olympic-level high jumper uh, that... Just basically, because he wanted to, got back on the football field, and uh, I think he will pose a real threat. After he suffered a pretty serious injury last season, didn't play a single game. Obviously, it's not easy coming back from a from an injury like that. But if Frank Harris can uh, just kind of hit close to where he was last season, that will be a huge threat on the sidelines, and, and that would open up space for Misum or Lawson to get open in the slot.
1: Yeah, uh, he did. Did Harris used to run the ball for? for the t words, i think he did he averaged he had a couple couple games where he carried the ball um but i mean as a receiver he was excellent uh in 2018 he was averaging almost 10 yards a catch so uh, yeah i couldn't agree more and i'm i'm excited for you you've been hyped up about this guy uh, since frank we started harris, talking about frank harris is a, a
0: fun guy he came on the podcast a long time ago okay um and man just flies through the air like uh, it's so his story is just so funny too. He he came to SU to be a high jumper and he was just watching football his freshman year. He was like, I could do that, <laughs> and he did. He was like, Yeah, I, <laughs> I could I could hang with these guys, and he and he went out and did it. And uh, I think he'll he has a good chance of earning that starting job uh, on the outside there. Also, I want to mention Zach Nelson who didn't really play too much against the first teams. He kind of would come on late and have an impact, um, but he ended up playing. In six games he had thirteen catches and had three touchdowns. Uh so <laughs> in six games he picks up three scores. Like I said, it was mostly against second units, so gotta take that with a grain of salt. But in a receiving core where you kinda you're kinda looking for that a more emerging fourth and mm-hmm. fifth guy, I think he's someone to watch. Judd Cockett, I think, will get more chances uh actually as a receiver. He he mostly specializes in returns, but I think he might get a few more chances now that he's an upperclassman and uh Austin Ewing also he he's coming back after he suffered a pretty serious injury. Great athlete um, that was had to play some quarterback. <laughs> he he came he played quarterback in high school. Played at SU as a receiver, and now he'll be back in the lineup. I think he's another one of those kind of shiftier receivers that uh, can find a way to get open uh, and help out uh, his quarterback. But let's take a look too. I mean, the tight ends is a, is an area of concern That's though. For really me. interesting. This group. used to be when. In 2017, when SU won the conference championship, tight end play was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, since McCoy Hill and those guys graduated, it's kind of never been the same. And obviously replacing guys like that is going to be difficult, but there are five freshman tight ends on this team. Mm-hmm. There's one senior, Brandon McFarlane, uh, and he's a transfer, so we'll, we'll see what he can offer. Obviously, he seems like a, a good, solid player, but... You've got a lot of youngsters uh, you that you're going to be relying on in, in the tight ends. Uh, does that mean that Matt Wade might just try and go for like four wide out sets and mm-hmm. just spread the field wide open and not worry about having to fit a tight end in? Maybe, or maybe one of these guys will will
1: emerge uh, as a, a reliable target. But that
0: is an area of concern, especially on third down.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. You always look for your tight ends on, on third down if you're going to pass the ball um, because, I mean, they run short routes, quick routes, and they're usually pretty good at securing it. Um, the good news is is that three of those five freshmen are red shirts. So mm-hmm. they've been around. They, yeah, it's uh, not their first season trip. Um, two fr- two uh, true freshmen, if you if you want to put it that way. And then another good thing too, Connor, that we didn't talk about too much is even though these guys are, are freshmen, that they, they've been around the program for almost a year now yeah. since they were officially recruited, a, a little bit over a year. Yes. So they've had time to kind of learn the system. Um, then again... They are freshmen. They're getting big time. They, a few of them are going to get big time college minutes now. So yeah. how do they respond to that?
0: And like we said too, I mean, a lot of these guys got to play plenty uh, last season and were able to redshirt, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should mention too Tanner McLaughlin, who is a redshirt sophomore. Uh, I think he'll have an impact, but there are a lot of freshmen uh, that, will, that will have a chance to prove themselves. Can I give you a wild card on offense to look out for? Please do. True uh- freshmen – my man, David Moore, the third, who is the third highest, uh, in terms of yards as a running back in Colorado, I think second only to like Christian McCaffrey and somebody else that's in the NFL who I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Uh, Moore is five foot nine, 200 pounds, seems super shifty, uh, can get downhill too. Uh, with, between him and Rand Jensen, I think that those are two high, high quality recruits. And if, if, if I was Coach Warren, it would always be it would be in the back of my mind at least like, well what if we just throw the freshman out there and see you know, see what see what they can do. And I think David, you can also put into a lot of different types of sets and uh just let him get out in space, let him use that that speed that uh that got him so much attention coming out of high school.
1: I always am I'm here for the the Connor Sanders wild card yes connor you are the one who coined <laughs> Tevian jones of the basketball team to be a wild card hey, and look how that played out he
0: i don't want to get this high track because i love to talk about a basketball he is by far the most important player on that team there you go and we'll get into that with a podcast so later on. i'm
1: just saying that connor sanders track record of wild cards <laughs> is pretty good so oh, okay. we'll be looking out for david moore
0: yes i i think that that's a i mean obviously such an exciting prospect uh it's. I don't think that's too much of a hot take there.
1: Um, anyway, <laughs> listen. Anytime you get talented or uh, talent of that level, you're excited. Absolutely. Um, even though they're going to be freshmen, even though they're competing for minutes, you're excited. And and I think with the, the with the turnover that this offense has is experiencing this year, I think they're going to see a few more plays than they would have on a traditional year. So yeah, I, I think it that speaks well for David Moore.
0: Yeah, and we're putting a lot of emphasis on the offense uh, because. I think there is serious concern about this SU defense, just as there has been over the last two years. But hey, here's the encouraging part. New defensive coordinator and Robert Walla, who is an internal hire, a uh, guy that the coaches all know, the players are all familiar with, not bringing somebody else in. Uh, Brandon Fisher, I thought, did a pretty solid job uh, during his time here last season. Unfortunately, we could only have him here for one year, but... Um, Obviously, life calls. You got to move on. I think Robert Ball is ready to take this group over. Uh, One area of concern already that we've seen, uh, obviously, guys have had a ton of of time to prepare, but uh, along the defensive ends or the defensive front, guys have been in and out of the lineup, Mm -hmm. which was, in my opinion, the biggest problem that SU had last season, maybe outside of kicking. the, The defensive linemen just couldn't generate enough pressure on offenses, and so... And just couldn't stop the run, especially.
1: Oh, and and that that's really really tough. Again, like you said, um, for the, for the defense, they exert all this energy. There's no consistency, and then the offense can't stay out on the field long enough to get them a, a good spell. And and you lost a ton of of just yeah. huge huge names uh, last season due to injury. And so again, the the it, it, they come back healthy if this year did pay contribute one thing to your football program is that it allows your guys to get healthy. Now, hopefully I don't know. I've been curious to see, um, because of this weird practice schedule that they've had to go about, if that has any effect on, on health and injury and it's colder when they're practicing. So I I hope that doesn't, this is true. Um, but I mean, if you got your, your guys back that are getting you good tackles and solo tackles, even that you're going to, you're going to be okay up front. I think it's the secondary that, To me, Connor is is the biggest question mark. Okay, let's go there. So,
0: a big priority will be replacing. They're losing two of their top tacklers Mm -hmm. uh, from last season, two of their top four tacklers in Alex Sims and Nilo Ducolo. Uh, The linebackers will have a big job in replacing those guys, but I think that having to replace those linebackers, where that actually may end up manifesting, is in this secondary because uh, teams might be able to. Get between the lines a little bit more if if we have to bring a bunch of pressure just to stop the or just to stop the run, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's a good point. A big thing for SU is that Jalen Russell is coming back uh, after a season-ending injury injury last season. He got hurt in the UNLV game and just he actually looked really good in that UNLV game before he went out too. He's was the Big Sky freshman of or he was a freshman All American, excuse me, uh, during his first year and he hasn't just hasn't been able to return to that form. He struggled a little bit his sophomore season and then was hurt. I think that's a huge addition uh, for the SU secondary. And then A.J. Stanley is the top returning tackler on the team as the safety. Khalid Taylor was able to pick off a couple of passes last mm-hmm. year. He's made the transition over to safety. Uh, Akeely Gray, a longtime SU kind of fringe, good, solid defensive player. I think he'll get a lot of run in the secondary as well. The issue is uh, who is your second cornerback, uh, and how often are we going to play a ton of secondary players on the field? Because that's just kind of the way that the game is going in some cases. Just more people passing, you need more more defensive backs, and uh, I fear outside of those first three or four guys, uh, and and I should say L.J. Davis. I shouldn't. I think L.J. Davis probably has the inside track to that second cornerback position, and uh, Charles Johnson also could have an impact. Uh, just it'll be interesting to see
1: yeah uh, the good news is with the secondary is that you do have a little bit of a le- of leadership coming back you're not relying too heavily on on a ton of freshmen and sophomores um, coach Warren he said that their their secondary has stepped up you got to also think too that Robert Bala was the the secondary yes. coach um, before he was promoted to defensive coordinator so you wonder if that has anything to play into it um, with the way that the the secondary is going to perform this year um, so I, I Again, does that change your defensive scheme, though, uh, with a new defensive coordinator as well? That's something to watch out for.
0: Yeah. So there's six or seven cornerbacks listed on the roster. Uh, Three of them are freshmen. Uh, Well, four of them, actually, are freshmen. Uh, Two of them are redshirt freshmen. So that's what we're saying. If there's any injury between Jalen, LJ Davis, or Jake Narian, uh, you're going to be having to trust a player that, Mm -hmm. that hasn't seen the field much. And uh, against teams that I think will will want to pass the ball, um, but yeah, that defensive front is going to be huge. Aaron Romero I thought was really good last year. Uh, need to see even more from him. Francis Beame also uh, I thought stepped up throughout the the second half of the season. And when you look at uh, the defensive stats, I mean, obviously losing Alex Sims is like pretty irreplaceable. That's going to be really really tough. But once you start getting past those, outside of Nilo, Takolo, and Alex Sims. Most of these guys are coming back. They're coming back. Uh, yeah. You got Bishop Jones there. You got Khalid Taylor up at the top, uh, and Roderick Ward's still around. So uh, it should be really interesting to see. Uh, Quade Murray was third on tack- in tackles last season. He's back. Aubrey Noems was in the top six. He's back. Only played nine games last season. Uh, he'll be back for the full uh, season. I I presume. So I I am just trying to say that you know a huge job in replacing Alex Sims and Nilo Tocolo, but
1: because of how this last season went,
0: you got some guys that should at least
1: had their feet wet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, new defensive scheme, anything could happen. So that's it. This whole thing, I feel like I've said it like 15 times already this podcast, and I apologize, but the whole thing is just extremely like going to be very, very fun to watch just because it's yes. so new. It's There's a lot of new information and not a, a lot of new schemes that are going to take place Yeah, and a lot of new players that are going to be seeing the field.
0: Part of me thinks like this is kind of not a great setup for, this, for the team because they've had all this time to repair and now there's all this pressure on them to do well and uh, they are getting a favorable schedule so maybe it's like if they ended up going 3-3 three and three, maybe we would kind of still be like ah, they could have done better. Uh, really they just need to be better than they were last year. And if they go five hundred, that's an improvement. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm really interested to see, but also at the same time, part of me is like they could go five and one. Yeah. They could win those five games. Yeah. Everybody but Weaver, that's totally winnable. Yep. Each and each and every one of those games. NEU is always just squeaks by us because their backup quarterback comes in and destroys <laughs> us. Uh we never have time to prep for them because they always always get some random second teamer in there. But anyway, um, uh, Let's I wanna hit one last point with the special teams. T Bird struggled a little bit in the kicking game last season, both in kicking and punting. Um and there are five listed kicker slash punters on the roster. Mandy Burr, Jake Girardi, Kiko Sasoka, Easton Jones, and AJ McCurl. So that uh doesn't instill confidence having so many guys there. No. It's like why why do you have five? <laughs> I'm ne- like are you that concerned that the the first two are gonna be bad that you need three backups?
1: Yeah, I if if last year spoke if last year meant anything, I mean uh Man, and
0: by the way, two of those guys are
1: seniors. Yeah. Uh, and uh that I would definitely take offense to that. <laughs> if they
0: brought in if you were a kicker and you brought in two guys uh,
1: to compete with you every day. I don't know, man. Listen, uh Sissoka went two for eleven last year. Yeah, Kakoa can't be too mad, but Manny might. Have some, <laughs> he might have beef. If you go to you, you go to for eleven, you shouldn't be taking too much of an offense. If your if your team's recruiting some freshman kickers, sure, this is true.
0: I want to point out that Jake Girardi is listed at six three, two hundred and fifty pounds. So if it doesn't I work out, to the see kicker. this kid on kickoffs. <laughs> Charge down the middle, my man. A Pacific transfer. Take somebody a 6'3", 250 for a kicker, my man. If kicking if if kicking doesn't work Yo, out, you he, might, he, might he get should, some D-line time. Yeah, I was going to say you should try out a tight end, <laughs> Doug. <He laughs> if I was on the team, I would just tell everybody I was a tight end. Yeah, oh, All the girls at the party, yeah. what, what position do you play? Oh, uh, I'm a tight end. He, <laughs> he, he looks like a tight end, 6'3", 250. I, my believe, him. I yeah. believe him. I believe him. Well, uh, <laughs> I think that just about covers uh, RSU football coverage for this week. Make sure to keep an eye out. Uh, For written previews that we'll be writing this week, we're going to write one focused only on SU's offense and one on SU's defense. Uh, And then next week on the Thundercast, we're going to release a a preview for the Big Sky Conference Tournament slash arguing who we think should be on the Big Sky all-conference teams. For basketball, for Ben's basketball, mm-hmm. and uh, we should, we'll do women's basketball too. We'll throw them in. Oh yeah! So, uh, thank you for listening to the Thundercast, Kelton.
1: Any final thoughts? No, I'm good. I'm excited for SU football this week. I can't believe it's here. I know it's wild. I feel like I feel like we were, God, when we first did this together, Connor. When I first came <laughs> on, it was what October, and we, yeah. that was a, that was a distant, like reach for us. And yes. now it's here.
0: Yeah, and so much has happened since then. Uh, this is a huge season for the football team. And I think that they have a good shot to do very well. So we'll see how they go. But thank you for listening uh, to the Thundercast. We'll be back with you next week for another episode. That's
1: it. See you later.